Peter wants the Christians to rise above their circumstances to a higher standard and be holy. To be holy, to be different. That means, that word holy means to cut. That means to separate. That means to get away from the old. And some of us have been Christians so long that sometimes we haven't gotten rid of the old. Or we've developed new habits that now are old that, that don't help our holiness. But the word in itself means this, to cut, to separate, to get away from the old. Why be holy? To be, uh, to be saved? To stay saved? No. We are to be holy because guess what? God is holy. We are to be holy because God calls us to be holy. And as we look at here in the scriptures today and next Sunday, we are to be holy because the scriptures command us to be holy. Again, I start with the fact of not perfect, holy, separate, set apart. Because the world can see the same. The world can go with the culture or whatever's going on, but they need to see someone that is different, that is not going with the flow, that is following God, that is being salt and light. We are called to be holy. We are called to be set apart to reflect the great holy God who saved us. And so holiness and being set apart doesn't just happen without several factors. And that brings us to verses 13 through 15. We may get 15 there for a minute. I kind of said we weren't, but, you know, we'll see what happens. But let's look at this. Therefore, preparing your minds for actions and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, that as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Lord, I ask today that no one is overwhelmed. I ask that they understand that this is something you cause to be. Lord, whatever excuses that we've made in the past that I can't, I'm not good enough, those are lies from the pit of hell. Help us to be set apart, to be salt and light, wherever we need to be obedient, to be obedient to you today. Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't know you as Savior and Lord, help them realize they're never going to be good enough. They're never going to be able to achieve this. And help them to raise their hands and surrender and accept your salvation and begin that path of holiness. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Verse uh, 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for actions and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that we brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That word preparing. Now, we don't understand this. And you know, I think my life would be a lot easier. I'm not going to do it. But if I just wore a robe every week instead of having to be this fashion plate that you see before you. <laughs> having to think, See, my family knows how to get me. When I die, if they don't match, if they don't bury me in matching colors and everything that coordinates, and you know, you don't have that coordinate today, I understand I'm wearing a black undershirt. That shouldn't have gone. The black's the new blue, whatever. Okay. But that would drive me nuts. I come back from the grave. And we were two uh, poor to, uh, four girl animals going up, growing up. But for an OCD person, that would have been great. But, you know, what we're seeing here, so let's go back to a robe. All I have to do is just put the robe on, 
maybe have pants, I don't know, or okay, whatever, you know, so you know, just don't, you don't know, okay, I know that, that you're all just screwed up in your mouth, whatever, okay, I don't care. All right, but I want us to understand what this word means. Back then they wore the togas, and it wasn't for the toga party, or they, you know, they had robes on, uh, not so much pants at the time, yes, okay, you can research it, whatever, okay, but what this is talking about, this term preparing, is when a man went to work, or they had to be something, someplace really fast, they had to pull their robe up, not to show everybody everything, but at least the bottom part, because the robes may have gone down to their ankles or whatever, and they had to pull them up to their belt so they could move fast. And that's what this term preparing means. And so we need to understand that. We need to gird, he's saying that meant gird up your clothes, but notice what it's saying, prepare your minds. I want you to understand this. It is important what you put in those eyes and what you receive and what you hear because every sin and every decision starts with the mind. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says this, casting out imaginations and every high thought that exalts itself against God and putting every thought into the obedience of Jesus Christ. Why did I learn that verse? Why is that one of the first verses that I learned? I, because... My sin starts in my thought life, in my mind. And it can be through our eyes and what we see or what enters us. And what I, the reason I learned that verse is I imagine Jesus Christ at the gate of my mind. And the devil all the time is going to give you bad thoughts. Not to hurt, just hurt people, but to be fearful, to be sad, to be mean, to be whatever. And what, this is why you need to be in the Word. You need to know what God's word says. And, and Jesus said, told Satan in Matthew 4, 4, Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. This is why we study God's word. This is why we memorize God's word. So you memorize God's word. You study God's word. Then a thought comes up. You imagine that Christ is at the gate of your mind and ask this question, Christ, is that biblical? That I feel unloved. Well, somebody may have unloved you, but you're never unloved if you have Christ, so you know that that is not biblical. So should you keep thinking on that thought? No. I want you to understand this. I am tired, even myself, of these excuses of the, some of you are old enough, Flip Wilson, the devil made me do it. He may have helped, but you made the decision. I want you to understand you need to prepare your mind. And preparing your mind says this in 2 uh, Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and useful for everything. We need to be in the Word constantly. And guys, I say this, I am not lying. Every scripture I've learned is because it's something I dealt with. Not because I need to learn scripture so I can just throw it out to you. I don't mean it that way. I'm going to be motivated. But every scripture that I have learned for myself is something I dealt with that I need to know what God's Word says. So when those temptations come up, Jesus is at the gate of my mind, and he says, no, so why am I thinking about that anymore? That's a lie. I'm not entertaining that. That's preparing. That's girding up. But so many times, I'm going to be holy. I'm going to do what's right. You're not in the Word. I'm going to be holy. I'm going to do what's right. And you're in the wrong place. You need to prepare. You need to gird up your mind. And you need to 
pull, pull those ropes up and be ready for action. And to focus, to pull, to pull your thoughts together. First, why did I learn 1 Corinthians 2 2? For I decided to concentrate only on Christ Jesus and his death on the cross. Or Isaiah 26 3. He will keep in perfect peace all whose thoughts are fixed on him. Because guess what? All the time, Satan's trying to get me to focus on other things. God may just be your pastor, but I think it's all of us. He may, he may, you may not be able to lose your salvation when you're saved. The boy who wants to put you on the bench, and he wants you to be a bad example. And so we need to prepare our minds. We need to focus. We need to pull up all the loose thoughts and say, hey, I'm going to go with this word in Jesus. It's not like, you know, I want to think about Jesus all the time, but that's not bad. And it's the fact of whatever you think about, you ask the question, hey, Jesus, do you want that? And another part of your mind training is Philippians uh, chapter 4, verses 6 through 9. We, we, we need to go through a whole thing on that. But that is great mind training. Whatsoever is true, whatsoever is perfect, of good repute, uh, a report, and all these things. Think on these things. It's a training. It's learning to gird up. And so we need to do that. Prepare our minds. Notice this. Rejecting the hindrances of the world and focusing on the, the future grace of God. Colossians 3.2 says this, Set your mind on things that are above, not, not on things that are on the earth. And we've got to think about this, garbage in, garbage out. A lot of us don't set our minds on things above because we're not in the Word. We're not studying it. We're not understanding it. I don't mean about being this huge scholar, but we need to know more about God than the things of this broken world. Always be prepared. We need to be like a spiritual boy scout. Luke 12, 35 says this. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. That was the parable of the maidens that were waiting for the bridegroom, which we were waiting for Christ, the bridegroom, to come back. And those of us know Christ for the bride. And so we need to be ready. We don't need to be asleep. We need to be focused on God. We need to stay ready. We need to be dressed for action. We need to be prepared. Believers are obligated to live in view of Christ coming again and to be prepared. And so we are to take the initiative of preparing our minds for a life of holiness. We are to focus our thoughts on the good things of God and to be prepared. So your first villain, we need, uh, to live holy, we have to have our minds prepared. How prepared is your mind today? I'm obviously I'm looking at trailers that have hay bales on them. Okay, okay, it's a boring trip. What I got to do? Okay, you know those kind of things. And I, and a lot of times they give you rabbits to chase, but maybe to wake you up. I don't know. But here's the deal: if you aim at nothing, guess what? You hit nothing. And Philippians 3, 13, 14 says this: "This one thing I do, forgetting the past and pressing on toward the mark, which is the high calling of Christ Jesus." What are you aiming at? What are you preparing for? This call of invitation here in a while will be this, could be for you on the fact of I'm not in God's word consistently. I was just talking about memorizing God's word. Find a version of the Bible that's pretty solid, hopefully, and learn the verses and start. Not because you want to impress me or anybody else, but how are you going to prepare your mind? How, if you ask Jesus, um, should I think on this or not, how are you going to know? Unless you're in the Word. Start by looking up verses of things that you're struggling with. And find one that you can learn. Whatever you need to do, we need to be prepared. We need to, to be ready. 
For what? For action. What action? Being sober-minded. Let's look at verse 13 again. Therefore, preparing your minds for action. Notice it didn't say that. I want to stop there for a second. Well, I learned scripture, and I know what to do, but I'm not going to do anything with it. How many of you that are in hunting or fishing do that? You go and buy all the stuff. Don't tell your wives. Okay? And you watch all the videos, and you learn all the stuff, and then you never go. Well, we're called to prepare our minds and be in the Word to guess what? For action. Be doers of the Word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. James 1.22. But notice the next part of verse 13. And being sober-minded. Sober-minded. You know, that means being self-controlled. That means not being intoxicated on the things of this world that are fleeting, but living a life focused on the end, not the circumstances. And I want you to understand, I can be just as guilty as this. The devil wants us to focus on the circumstances. And we look at Peter. They're in the middle of a storm, and he sees Jesus walking on the water, and he has faith to get out of the boat and start walking. We don't need to down him. At least he got out of the boat. Most of us won't get out of the boat. And he's walking towards him, and what happens? He starts looking at his circumstances. That is one of my biggest fears. That movie, Perfect Storm, scares the crud out of me. Because my biggest fear would be the lost at sea and have those giant waves. And I scuba dive, and I like the ocean, but that scares the crud out of me. Okay? And so don't wake me up in the middle of the night and throw water on me. Okay, whatever. But here's the deal. You've got Peter that he's looking at Jesus walk on the water and he steps out of the boat. And that's where a lot of us usually are, one time or another, hopefully. But then we see the waves, we feel the wind, and we hear it. Circumstances. Why do you think he says, for I decided to concentrate only in Christ Jesus and his death? He will keep in perfect peace all his thoughts who are fixed on him. We need to be sober-minded. We need to be self-controlled. And we need to live a life focused on the end. Jesus wins. And not what's happening right now. I am not trying to be a naysayer or doom and gloom. But guess what? Jesus said all these things were going to happen. I don't like the plague. I don't like rumors of wars. Do we change his word? No! These are circumstances that we need to be holy within the time we've been given. But we don't focus on what's happening right now. We know how it ends. And we need to focus on that. Being self-controlled. Our minds need to be under, under the control of the Holy Spirit. Not intoxicated, not distracted by anything, but focused on the living hope, faith in Christ. We are truly self-controlled only when uh, we are controlled by God. Think about that. Self-control is not, I'm going to try to be good. Because guess what? Every time I try to be good, it doesn't work for me. I can be by myself and be the worst person. I can only be self-controlled when I'm God-controlled. If you know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, and you have the power of the Holy Spirit, and you have to choose to be guided and empowered by the Holy Spirit and let God control you. Your next feeling, if you're going to live, a, live holy, we need to be sober-minded, self-controlled. We need to be on guard. Being sober-minded and self-controlled means being on guard, alert, ready at all times, 
in season and out of season, regardless of the circumstances. But what's happening, we're all following the crowd and being chicken little, the sky's falling. Do I feel like the sky's falling? The, this past two years, it's like, wow, I've never seen that before. Guess what? God wins. We're here. This is our time. We need to shine. But the devil wants you to focus on what's going around. Yes, we need to be in the world, not of the world. Yes, we need to be aware, but I really feel the majority of Christians are focused on the stuff going on instead of God. And when those, I'm not, I'm not perfect at all, but when I know sometimes I've frustrated people because I'm not as concerned about what the news is saying as they are. Because guess what? Newsflash, God wins. Newsflash, he's coming back. And newsflash, what are you doing right now to let others know that? It means setting our hope, a living hope, through faith in Christ. We are commanded to live expectantly, anticipating with a living hope of our inheritance, reserved for us in heaven on the last day, fully relying on the grace and favor of God. When, um, uh, with, will be brought to us on that day and the revelation of Jesus Christ, which the last part of 13 talks about there. Life with Christ is an endless hope without which we face a hopeless end. I want you to think about that. Life with Christ is an endless hope. But without Christ, we have a hopeless end. We need to realize what we need to focus on. Your next film, Living Holy, means living in hope, the hope of Christ. But what, what are you projecting? What are you projecting when you let the circumstances just drown you out? What are you projecting when you're just talking about that and you're not talking about God? What are you projecting in your actions when you just have all this biblical knowledge but you do nothing with it? You're not projecting a living hope, and why would anybody want anything that we have? How do we show this hope? Look at verse 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. If we are God's children, we are called to be obedient. We're called to submit. We're called to comply. Obedience is the foundation of the Christian life. Because we have been chosen to be chosen and accept this living hope through faith, this great salvation, we are joint heirs and we are children of God. We are need to be obedient children. And what does that look like? Let's look at this. We're not to be conformed. That word conform means fashion. Okay? And I was sitting there thinking about fashion trends and how they come in style and out of style and some stuff. You know, I'm old enough to see Paisley before and Paisley come back, and I don't know where Paisley's at right now other than Brad. Okay? But anyway, but here's the deal. I, some of you remember Paisley, man, when it was first out, the big old white ties and the giant Paisley and all that. You kids have to look up where Paisley is. And then it came back and it was better. And it's like fashion trends, okay? I don't know if bell bottoms are back. I think they were for a second. I don't know, okay? But what this word fashion means here is that we are not to be conformed. We are not to go wherever society is fashionable. We're to be transformed. We're to be changed as Romans 12, 1 and 2. Society is not going into some good places. I'm going to get on this for a minute, but there's only two genders. And when you get down to science, you can call yourself Snippy the Wonder Dog, but it's amazing to me how when certain genders need a certain medicine, regardless of what they call themselves, they can only receive that medicine because it's the only thing that works for their genetics. 
And nature is not confused. And it's the fashion right now. I don't hate anybody. I'm not trying to put anybody down. It's the confusion of the devil. But even if you press a doctor and probably a scientist, it gets to the point there are two physical genders and that's all there is. But it's the fashion to be whatever. It's the fashion to accept sin. It's always been that fashion. It's whatever sin we want to accept. We try to pick on the one that's the, the shiniest right now. But the American church has let so much junk in. And he says, do not be conformed. Do not go with fashion. So some of you guys are doing really good because it's a fight. I'm going to get in trouble for this. It's funny how women and men stop with fashion with their hairstyles and a certain <laughs> tape that they think still in or certain clothes. Why buy more clothes? You know, just whatever you got, it's polyester and last. You know, just don't be around an open plate. Okay, but here's the, you know, those leisure suits. I'm so glad the leisure suits did not come back. I remember, I'm getting off, but this is a fun one. I remember going to my, I remember going to my cousin's wedding. This was obviously in the 70s, and he had a lime green leisure suit. Like, I want to throw up in my mouth on that. Some of you have to look that up, <laughs> look that up. But that's so many times, we're like, okay, I'm not going to stay with the tried and true. I am going to go with whatever the fashion is. That's not being holy. That's being a chameleon. That's trying to fit in. And I'm going to get really straight here. Guys, there's going to be a sifting. It's not about us being mean, but this is what's happening in the American church and around the world, is there is a sifting on who is true and who is not. Not who is perfect, not who is better, but who is the true follower of Jesus Christ. Guess what? Hebrews says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. Amen. And so, if we're going to be holy, guess what? Oh, it's popular, and I'm going to change what the Bible says, and theology, and it's okay. You need to step back about ten feet, because lightning's going to strike. Eventually. We don't be conformed to the fashion of the day. And we don't form, we don't, we aren't following our passions, our lusts, our desires, the desires of the flesh that are opposed to the spirit. Galatians 5.17 says this, For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For those who are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. You cannot go with your heart. I say, uh, Jeremiah 17.9 clearly says the heart is sick and desperately wicked. Another lie out of the pit of hell. Oh, they've got a good heart. No, they don't. And I don't have a good heart. God has to give us a spiritual heart transplant. It's his Holy Spirit. And we're in the now and not yet. And so I want you to understand, if you've got a natural desire, now God puts desires in there. You need to go with God's desire first and he'll give you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And he talks about in, in Psalms 37 about the desires of the heart. That, that if we follow God's desires first, we'll have right desires. So it goes back to holiness. Don't choose your desires. Choose God's. Because we're at war in our, inside. When we disobey God, we're going back and living in our old sinful life. And as 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, we're a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. Christ obeyed 
And Christ doesn't change, and, and we don't need to either. We should obey, we should live a new life, and we should press on towards the mark. Your next villain, living holy means we yearn to be holy. I think one of the reasons, let's just, let's just be honest. I'm abbreviating the scripture, but the scripture says sin is fun for a season. But then the bill comes. It may not be now. If it's not now, I don't even know if that's grace. Other than God trying to tell you that sometimes you pay for that sin now, but you'll definitely pay for it later. But a lot of times, we don't naturally yearn to be holy. Because I think we think you've got to be perfect. I want you to understand, yearning to be holy means this. God, I want to love you more. Anybody that's been married or had a close relationship with someone, you understand you do some weird things because you love them. Because you care about that relationship. You see how this builds? I'm saved. I have the Holy Spirit inside me. I'm in the Word. I'm learning about God. I automatically want to know Him more and follow Him more and obey Him more and reflect Him more. should be a yearning. And as Paul said in Romans, the fact that it should be the fact, God, I, I, I really do this stuff, but I want to do this stuff. I, and I go back to what I said in Philippians. He puts that desire inside of you. So you should want, yearn to want to do right. And you should also remember the fact that when you mess up, ask God to forgive you. And guess what? Press on. Because he says in, in Psalms that he, he removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. Why does he say east and west? Because you can walk east forever and never hit west. And you can walk west forever and never hit east. He casts it away. If the devil wants to say, you messed up, forget it. Confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from some no all unrighteousness. First John 1 9. And so you need to yearn to be holy. You need to live our new life in Christ. And so as we have a time of invitation and stand on our feet, I got a couple questions for you today. Today in this season, where are you at in your holiness? Are you living a holy life? You may need to put down the fact that I've been trying to be perfect. We'll throw that out the window. That ain't happening. Then why don't you strive that I'm going to follow God and I'm going to do what he says. How prepared is your mind? Some of you today may need to say, okay, I'm consistently going to be in the word. I'm going to start memorizing the word and there's some loose thoughts I need to cut out. You may need to come and pray today and lay some things down or whatever, but how, how much are you preparing your mind? How much are you guarding what you do? Guarding your steps. And in these times, how's your hope? Because some of you are maybe projecting no hope at all. And why would they want anything we have if it doesn't look any better than what they have? And are you being holy as he is holy? Whatever you need to do today, in this time, make those decisions and be obedient to him. Lord, I pray you speak to our hearts and help us to be obedient to you and what we need to do.